Hello everyone, Harold Hutchinson here. Welcome to our latest Investech Energy podcast. In the last 30 years that I've been a securities analyst in the energy sector, I've never known so much to be going on. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, Dale Vince is now even telling us that he's going to make diamonds out of the air. So it is just a really difficult situation to work out what's going on. Thankfully today, uh, we're joined by two people who know an awful lot more about energy than I do. Uh, I've got my co-conspirators, Martin Young and Mark Elliott, uh, on the line with me. Great to have them with me. And maybe, maybe Martin, I can start with you. Look, I mean, uh, I've heard of net zero. Now I'm hearing of this 10-point plan. Everything seems to be very jargon-driven at the moment. Uh, is there anything that's really important about these latest statements from the, the PM and the British government about decarbonisation or not? Um, yes, and, and thank you, Harold, for that, that question. Um, a 10-point plan, obviously uh, 10 points uh, within it. And I guess as a keen cyclist, what I really should be saying is that I am uh, very much infused by the commitment to incentivize cycling and safer cycling. But as you might imagine, given the day job, so to speak, it's the energy side of the 10 point plan that has got me most excited. Uh, and what I wanted to do is just highlight a few areas from the, the, the plan that I think are of high importance. Let's start with offshore wind. Uh, there is a 40 gigawatt offshore wind target for 2030. Now, that's been well trailed, but I think that it's very clear now that the ball is well and truly rolling uh, in this respect. This morning, uh, government published its intention to seek to procure 12 gigawatts worth of renewable capacity in next year's contract for difference allocation round four. That's over twice the amount that was procured back in allocation round three. Quite crucially, offshore wind is going to have its own pot. And not only uh, does it mean that there are likely to be significant opportunities for the likes of SSE, who have been very public with their ambitions in the GB offshore wind space. But I think we also ought to be thinking about the, uh, the opportunities for transmission companies such as National Grid, SSE and Scottish Power if we move away to an integrated offshore transmission network and away from the radial connection system that we have at this particular moment in time. I guess it's also worth flagging floating offshore wind. Uh, new technology has to prove itself on cost grounds. It's not going to be included in the offshore wind uh, pot in the auction. And government has uh, communicated an ambition to see one gigawatts worth of floating wind by that 2030 date. The, the second uh, thing I wanted to highlight was carbon capture usage and storage. That's CCUS for short. Uh, there's an ambition to capture 10 million tonnes of carbon dioxide a year by 2030. Government's going to back this by up to £1 billion to support the establishment of CCUS in four industrial clusters. They, they want to create uh, something that they call super places in areas such as the Northeast, the Humber, Northwest, Scotland and, and Wales. And the plan is to have it established in two of those clusters by the mid 2020s, moving up to four by 2030. Now, who might be top of that list? 
Uh, I've had a look at this. You've got net zero T-side. There's five members in that consortium. Uh, BP is the leader. And then you've got a 12 strong zero carbon Humber group. And that includes the likes of Drax, National Grid, SSE and Centrica. And, and those two organizations are perhaps the highest profile and most advanced projects uh, on CCUS at this stage. So, so watch out for that. The third point is around nuclear, uh, a very hot uh, and contentious topic, I may say. Uh, there is a commitment from the government to pursue large scale nuclear. But there's also an idea that there will be investment in small modular reactors and advanced modular reactors. But quite crucially, all three have been caveated with a subject to value for money handle. And one of the things that struck us from the, uh, the 10 point plan was that there was no explicit mention of size we'll see. And I would say that we are far from convinced that with tumbling renewables costs, increased levels of flexibility, uh, an ever smarter energy system, uh, that locking consumers into large scale, high priced nuclear energy is the right thing to do for the country and the consumers within it. The, the fourth point is, is heat pumps. There is an aim for 600,000 heat pump installations per year by 2028. That's a considerable jump from the 30,000 that we currently install on an annual basis. It's an ambition that doesn't stop us from going down the hydrogen route for heating. It doesn't commit us to a wholly electrified heating system. We could yet have a mixture of, of both as the way that this country decarbonizes heat. But I think importantly, what, the, what this does is it opens up opportunities for energy service companies out there. I'd highlight the likes of British Gas Services as being one of those in respect of installation and service contracts. But it also creates a market for energy suppliers to be innovative in tariff offerings. And we've seen the likes of Good Energy bring forward a heat pump uh, tariff. We've seen the likes of Octopus Energy with its time of use agile uh, tariff as leading the way uh, in this sphere. And then finally, um, hydrogen and electric vehicles. Now, I'm sure Mark will elaborate on his thoughts in, in a minute. But if I relate this back to the, the energy utility world, I would say that the former has implications for the development of renewables and the potential repurposing of gas networks, while the latter has network implications in electricity and opens up the door once again to innovation in energy uh, supply offerings. So, so hopefully that brief overview has very much underscored that there is a lot going on here, as Harold has suggested, and a lot of it is very exciting as we move out to 2020 and into 2021 and beyond. Okay, Martin, thank you. Thank you very much for that. I have definitely one or two things I might want to come back on there. But before we do that, um, you mentioned hydrogen and you mentioned EVs. These uh, can't pick up a newspaper at all now without some mention of some new hydrogen project or some mention of some new EV plans. So, Mark, you're, the, you're, you're our man here. Uh, can you give us a bit of an update on your thinking, what you think is important and what isn't? Thanks, Harold. Yeah, uh, and actually, just of note, you commented on Dale Vince and uh, making uh, diamonds uh, from carbon capture. I think I think he's thinking an ITM electrolyzer is involved in the process of doing that, uh, as I understand. No, that's it. interesting. 
Um, so anyway, I digress. Hydrogen in diamonds, but more importantly, hydrogen, as Martin touched on, on a whole range of, of uh, areas for our energy needs, transport, industry, et cetera, et cetera. And what we're really seeing is all the sort of various key nations, particularly within Europe, uh, setting out targets. I mean, uh, the 10 point plan that Martin was talking us through on the UK, the UK is, uh, is targeting a five, giga, five gigawatts of, ele of electrolyzer, green hydrogen electrolyzer capacity by 2030. And uh, other countries in the European region have uh, made similar kind of targets. Spain has gone for four gigawatts, France six and a half gigawatts, Germany five gigawatts. So it's all happening very, very quickly. And net net, the EU's green deal is talking about 40 gigawatts of electrolyzer capacity. What's interesting here is, of course, we don't have the capacity today to manufacture all these demands, but it's been demonstrated, scale-ups have been demonstrated in the past, most notably and most recently through batteries and how quickly the battery industry uh, responded to rising demand in EVs. And I'll talk about EVs shortly. So overall, uh, the drive to, to go down hydrogen is really focused on establishing, on, on setting targets and looking to industry to deliver the capacity to meet those targets for the range of use cases being considered in transport, uh, in uh, gas infrastructure. There's hydrogen trains being established in Germany. Cummins is building a, a fuel cell plant to, to meet a, the, the, the supply line for these uh, Bombardier trains in Lower Saxony. So there's lots happening. Governments are driving it forward across the continent. And it, it's turning out to be a very exciting space. And I think going forward, we're going to see the U.S., uh, take action under the new administration when they rejoin the sort of Paris protocols, uh, as is widely expected. So um, it's a very busy space. Moving on to the EVs, well, the UK, uh, of course, committed to banning sales of new uh, of internal combustion engines in cars from 2030, bringing it forward its target by five years, I think it was. Uh, hybrids will be allowed probably another sort of five years or so of respite, but that's the direction of travel. I mean, nations around the world are pushing hard to electrify their fleets. And the dimension that's also taking place, if I sort of listen to various capital markets days and comments from the OEMs, you know, the funding into the conventional does seem to be declining or actions to do so. Um, I mean, examples of this is BMW is now moving its uh, two of its key plants in, uh, in Germany to making EVs and uh, sending the manufacturing of engines to the UK. Okay. VW is, as, as Mate talked about, cutting back the number of engine variants that it has or engines that it has out there in the market, uh, trimming back its uh, model lines uh, so it can sort of redeploy its investments into electric cars and have each of its plants at producing at least you know, one electric variant uh, in the medium term. So there's a lot happening. The pace is picking up and... Um, it's going to be an exciting few years ahead. And in the meantime, anyone with sort of battery capacity is set to see rising demand as we come out of this COVID crisis, um, because in, in the end, it's, it's electrified transport that is the direction of travel. And investing heavily into sort of in sunset industries is not always very good economic sense. Yeah, no, you're... Um... You're absolutely right, Mark. There is a lot going on, and it's very international, of course, because of the transport side, isn't it? That's very interesting what you were saying about Dale Vince, by the way, the, the owner of Ecotricity, for anyone who might be listening and doesn't know the sector so well. Um, certainly, there is plenty to get our heads around. I mean, Martin, maybe just to wrap this up uh, and maybe just refocusing a little bit back on the UK now, for a simple soul like myself, could you lay out 
some milestones, things that I need to look out for in the coming weeks and months, just to be able to get my head around what exactly is happening in the policy and the legislative areas. Yes, abs- abs- absolutely. Um, I think continuing the theme of a lot going on, I do expect a huge amount of, of policy and legislative development over the next few weeks and, uh, and months. As I highlighted uh, earlier, you know, since the 10-point plan was, was published last week, uh, we've already had uh, a decision on amendments to the CFD uh, scheme that came out uh, this morning, that's Tuesday, the, the 24th of uh, November. Uh, we had a consultation on smart meter rollout uh, targets uh, yesterday. But the biggie uh, that we expect before Christmas is, is the much delayed energy uh, white uh, paper, uh, which is expected to land sometime after the spending review that is out on the 25th of November and Christmas Day itself, so sometime in the next uh, four weeks. And then as we move into 2021, what I would be on the lookout for is a hydrogen strategy and details on preferred business models uh, for hydrogen, a delivery plan on the phase-out dates for the ending of new sales of petrol and diesel cars and vans, Details of a revenue mechanism for CCUS, uh, a strategy for heat and buildings, which obviously has uh, ramifications for air source heat pumps and ground source heat pumps and the like, and a review report into net zero itself. And then the the, the final thing I I wanted to throw in there uh, is the national infrastructure strategy. In theory, that is coming out alongside the spending review on Wednesday, the 25th of November. But obviously, if it doesn't, we would be expecting that also to land uh, before Christmas. So as I said, plenty going on both before Christmas and indeed uh, into the first and second quarters of next year. That's that's great, Martin. Um, I think... 2021 in China is going to be the year of the ox. Someone's going to come on and uh, correct me on that. But I would say it sounds like very much 2021 in the UK is going to be the year of the energy transition. So um, we'll try to keep uh, an eye on it for all our listeners. Uh, In the interim, I think you'll all have the numbers for Martin and Mark if you've got any specific questions on this podcast. Thanks for joining us today.